Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, and welcome to the Publicly Challenged Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Oswald, and I hope you join me on my quest for knowledge to become a better public land hunter, angler, and forager. Stick with this, and who knows, maybe we will learn something together. All right, so I'm sitting here, and I'm talking to Will, and I'm sorry if I butcher this, to Rover. Yeah, you got it. All right. And, uh, Will, can you go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit for the guests listening? Yes, sir. Well, uh, like you said, Will Durover. And uh, I'm 24. Uh, I live in British Columbia, Canada. And we own a hunting outfitter in Manitoba, which is halfway across Canada. Um, we might get into uh, the <laughs> how that happened a little later. But uh, so we own a, a hunting outfitter where we do only black bear hunting. And uh, we're getting into a little bit of whitetail and waterfowl as well, but our focus is black bear. And I also hunt a lot of bears out here in BC. And out of that hunting business came a coffee business called Bear Beans. And uh, that's sort of my main focus right now. We've got a business partner that runs the outfitting side of things, more or less. And uh, I run the coffee company and have a lot of fun doing it. So, so thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, man. And I think what's cool, and we can get into that a little bit, but first I'm kind of excited to talk to you about bears because it's pretty cool. Spring bear season is right around the corner. It'll be here before you know yep. it. Uh, maybe after turkeys, right? But, um, or at least for us, I don't know. Do you have a lot of turkeys yep. up there? Oh, well, nothing. Nothing. Probably a lot too many predators. But <laughs> um, so what uh how did it come about that you have one halfway across the country up there in our neighbors to the north uh that that you know you're you live in bc but yet you're going all the way to manitoba yeah well that's a bit of a long story so i, I grew up here in in british columbia and uh i grew trees growing up that's my family business and uh, like hedging cedars and uh ornamental plants that type of stuff and uh, when I was 19, I got married and we moved halfway across the country and bought a dairy farm, actually with a bunch of business partners and uh, did that for two years. It was a super, super cool experience. And it just, it didn't work out with our partners at the end, but uh, it, that all turned out all right. And so we took the money from that venture and uh, went into outfitting, which at the time I had absolutely no idea what I was doing with it. I had uh, actually never shot a bear before we bought our bear hunting outfitter, which is kind of bizarre. But uh, our business partner, Brandon, he uh, he has tons of experience. He's been guiding for I think like 12 or 15 years before I met him. So he was uh, he had the experience that we needed to get going. And 
I think we did that for two seasons or so. And then we moved back here to British Columbia and I would just travel back and forth when, uh, when the seasons were there. And, uh, now it's been, that was 2018. So we're going on, it's the fourth year that we, uh, that we've owned bear track outfitters. So, uh, it's, it's been quite the ride. And now just this past year is, is when we started up the coffee thing and we kind of made a deal because my kids are getting older and stuff. So I don't want to travel as much that I, I'm running the coffee side of the business and he runs more of the outfitting. So I'm kind of curious, did you, did you hunt before the bear hunting? Was there other hunting involved? <laughs> uh, I'm glad you asked that. And my, the, the first thing I ever shot was a deer on our dairy farm, which was like a year before we started outfitting. And I had absolutely no clue what I was doing. I, so I'm one of those guys that got into hunting when I was an adult or, well, still a kid, I guess. I was 19, but uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely didn't grow up hunting If uh, from that perspective. Like uh, it was totally new to me. I'd never really been around people that hunted and I got into it because I was around hunters and a lot of our friends at church were hunters and stuff like that. That's how I got into it so man that's fascinating so i i i love to see this i hate the word that people use because they use the word adult onset and to me it sounds like a parasitic disease or something right (laughs) or something that could have been prevented if they just would have taken better care of themselves and you know like diabetes or whatever you know it's just it sounds like a dirty word but i'm fascinated by the stories and how people come into it and then how far they take it. So it's pretty cool. And I, I just kind of want to know, like, what was your your thought process process behind it at the time when you shot the deer behind? Was it like, you know, because other people were doing it around you and you just kind of piqued your interest? Or was there like a deeper, you know, meaning or notion behind it? Was there something that drove you to that? Or or what was it? That You know, that's a really good question. I I still... I'm not hundred percent sure how I became so intrigued by hunting. And I think part of it is that the people around me were doing it. And, but I mean, people around me do a lot of other stuff that I don't do, but uh, yeah, there's just something it's hard to explain. I mean, as a hunter, I'm sure you'd understand why we hunt and uh, all the reasons for it and like providing food and, uh, and being part of conservation and, and all that stuff. But that kind of came later after I started hunting, to be honest, I, that's a super good question as to why I took that first shot. I actually don't really know myself. So, <laughs> so I'm kind of curious, what were the, I mean, the emotions afterwards, do you think you were prepared for what happened? I mean, did you feel it or was it maybe you actually like butchered other livestock, you know, before then or something? So you were able to deal with that. I mean, cause it is a more, I mean, it's mortality, right? It's taking yeah. a life. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's finite, it's final. And then from then on, I mean, it's, it's paying your homage and respect to that animal by doing the things properly to, to preserve that meat and do all that. I mean, but what was, what was your kind of mindset then? How did you feel about that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we were dairy farmers, so you deal with, we dealt with cattle all the time and, and cattle would die. And so that part of it didn't bother me too much, but for sure. I mean, I can, picture right now looking through my scope and there was it was like I think like 270 yards away and out in the like cornfield that was harvested and uh this buck was chasing it like four or five does it was like the most gorgeous sight ever it was like early morning like there was like fog on the field and it was I can just picture it so clearly right now but that uh the feeling of taking a wild animal I don't know how to explain it exactly, but it's just unreal. Did you it never feel, gets old. Did you feel a, a, a deeper connection, a, a, a sense of feeling that you never felt before with nature and the ecosystem around you? I, I It's kind of hard to explain, but I feel this primal sense, like something, I'm part of something that came before me that not as many are doing now and potentially after me. It's It's kind yeah. of a neat feeling. Totally. And, <laughs> and like, like you said, at that deep level, it just feels right. This feels like something we're supposed to do. Yeah. It's it probably felt pretty good getting that meat too and being able oh, yeah. to, you know, provide that for your family too. I, you know, it's, it's something that 
I've kind of done for so long that I, I mean, I still, I, I don't take it for granted, but sometimes I don't really realize, you know, it, the, the symbolism behind it as much as I did when I first did it. And, and I try to, but now I've noticed I've got my kids involved and I've got them yeah. helping process the meat and they love it. And what's funny is they prefer the venison over beef if I'm cooking it or grilling it or something like that, as long as I leave it in the whole muscle groups, if it's ground, they don't care. They don't notice the difference, but um, they love the deer steaks, the back straps, the tenderloins are always cooked that night or the next day. They never see a freezer. And my kids, I sometimes don't even get to hardly eat them, but knowing that they're eating them and watching them and how much they enjoy them, it's, it's an amazing thing. So hopefully I've secured a future generation by doing that. Oh, for sure. That, that's the, the coolest part for me too. My oldest is he's turning five this summer. So he, last year he came on a couple little small trips out to the mountains with me and, and he's so stoked about, about hunting. Every time I go out and put camo on, he's like, dad, can I come with you? And, <laughs> and, uh, la- or two seasons ago, he was, I guess he would have been three, but, uh, he would sit by us on the skinning table when we were, uh, outfitting and watch us skin bears. And he just loved it. It's so cool to see that. That is awesome. That's really cool. My middle child is like that. My oldest isn't so much. She says she will never shoot a deer, but she will. She goes, I don't have a problem taking turkeys or squirrels or rabbits. So we could do that, Dad. And I said, that's fine. Whatever you want to do, I'll take you. So that's pretty cool that she still shows interest. She just doesn't want to shoot a deer. And I think I partially blame Disney and my wife because they watched Bambi the other day and, you know, sheds a negative light on hunters. But She's still yeah. okay with the hunting, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna You'll push it. Around, yeah. yeah. So um I'm kinda curious though. So you started hunting, you ended up buying into an outfitting service. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, okay, now you're a bear hunter. How yeah. how did that go? It well, I mean buying into the outfitter it you get fully immersed in bear hunting overnight. Like I go from never seeing or shooting a bear in the wild and uh, till the first week of, of outfitting. And I see like, I don't know how many bears in the wild alive. And then at least probably half a dozen um, harvested ones that were skinning and getting right in there, harvesting the meat. And uh, yeah, so I got fully immersed into bear hunting in like just a, a tidal wave. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, not, not a slow introduction. It was probably the fastest way you can get introduced to something. Was it overwhelming but, at times? or I mean, was it almost too much to take in? Or did you just try and just be a sponge and take it all in if you could and, and, and roll with it? Yeah, exactly. I, that, I love that kind of stuff. That's, I mean, that's partially why we moved halfway across the country to start a dairy farm. And I, I had no experience doing that either. But I love a challenge. So this was the next challenge for me. And it was it was fun. I love learning new things and it was, um, being part of hunting and, and you know, the best part of outfitting is seeing other guys being able to harvest bears and it, their, their emotions and, and them coming up from all of our hunters are Americans. And so they'll come up from a place. Some of these guys have never seen a bear in the wild before. And we get to take them out in the woods on a quad and, and, uh, they're harvested bear after one or two or three days. And their emotions are, are running so high when they shoot that bear and you go in and track it with them and it's they're hugging you and crying and oh it's that's the coolest feeling man that's awesome not only being able to do it yourself but to take that many other people out and and especially to give them success that's a pretty cool feeling you know that's best I've, i've taken people out and tried to get them on things and it's so hard depending on skill level and you know let alone my skill level which you know isn't you know, I, I wouldn't consider myself, uh, you know, a top tier killer of animals of any sorts, but, um, you know, I can tend to get it done, but it's always easier when you're by yourself than trying to take somebody else out. So that's pretty cool yeah. that you guys do that and, and get them the success that you, success rate that they have, especially within one to two days. Um, so then, I mean, how much bear hunting did you actually get to do on your own? Because it probably wasn't that much because you were so busy with, uh, you know, guiding and, and doing all that kind of stuff, outfitting. Um, yeah, exactly. Did you just no, kind of I've been part of, I, I was trying to figure it out the other day, how many bear hunts I've been a part of. And I, I, somewhere around 80 bear hunts that I've been a part of, 
and maybe seen around like 60 to 70 bears harvested. And I've actually only shot two bears myself in oh, the wow. last couple of years. So it's, that's... Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting. To be honest, I, now I prefer taking other people out hunting than almost over hunting myself. Like I, two years ago, I had a cousin that had never been hunting before and I took him out here out in BC in the mountains and, and, uh, got him into bear hunting and we had never shot anything that year, but, uh, he took his first deer this past season, but, uh, that, that part of bringing someone new and getting them out in the woods and getting like, we stocked up on this massive bear. Like I've never seen a black bear this big. We got within 300 yards and he couldn't even hold still. He was going to try to go for a shot, but his gun was just going everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Emotions are too high. I just love it. That's so cool. That's awesome though, because even though he didn't take that animal, which would probably spoil him anyway, because (laughs) I mean, had he really paid his dues at that point, you know what? There's some people Mm -hmm. where they get, they go out and their first time out, they shoot, you know, a buck of somebody else's lifetime. And then they yeah. almost expect that every time when in reality, when you go out by yourself and you don't know that much, that is not the case. I mean, I went four years, I think, without ever taking a deer with my bow and I was only a bow hunter at first. So, you okay. know, I mean, the odds were stacked against me and then it took me like four years before I ever took my first deer. So, I mean, that's reality for the most part, unless you have yeah, somebody exactly. really taking you out there and putting you on them. So that's pretty cool that, you know, but he didn't get that bear, but he saw that bear. So now it put that fire in him and he felt those emotions. He knew those emotions. He could sit, you know, I mean, and that's something that's going to live with him. Like I remember my first buck that I ever drew back on and I'll never forget that. And honestly, it was probably one of the biggest bucks that I've still seen to this day. One of, um, and, and I totally blew it, totally blew it, missed him twice. He was gone, never saw him again. But the fact yeah. that that happened, it's etched in my mind forever. And, oh, yeah. you know, and it's a learning point. And now you know you got to control those emotions. It's really cool to have that happen like that. So either way, well, I'm sure that's fueled a fire for him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, that, that's funny that you say that about paying your dues. We went, took my oldest son fishing this past summer, and uh, and he had that, uh, like, we bought him this little fishing rod for his birthday and we took him out and like the very first cast, he catches a fish and it's like, dude, this is not how fishing goes. <laughs> totally well, get now, it. Now he thinks fishing is catching. So next year we're going to have to wean him off of that belief. <laughs> yeah. I took my girls ice fishing for the first time the other day and uh, there was more snow angels and figure skating competitions with their boots, not no actual skates. But figure yeah. skating competition, snow angels on the snow. Um, then there actually was fishing. I think there was maybe about by the time I got done drilling the holes and sat them down to fish without, you know, with them playing and everything, maybe a half hour of actual fishing with the line in the water. And then they go, well, we're not catching anything. My feet are cold. Let's go. And I, and the catalyst <laughs> of it all was the fact that my youngest or the middle child, she goes, I really want some hot cocoa, dad. And I forgot the thermos in the truck. Oh, and that was where it all went downhill from there. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'm sorry. Let's just go. <laughs> so, but at least I got them out there. They had more fun playing yeah. than they did actually fishing. And that's okay oh, sure. because we still got them out there and it exposed them to it. So maybe exactly. next time we'll catch the fish. That's the goal. <laughs> that's the goal. This to, Hopefully that's tomorrow. Awesome. Hopefully tomorrow we're going to do that. Nice. How, how cold is it by you right now? Uh, it's not too bad right now. Last week we were negatives every night and or almost every night and um i don't know i think it's probably mid-20s right now fahrenheit okay yeah yeah so that's still below freezing yep still below freezing and we've we've got which is pretty rare for us this time of year but we actually have like a solid 10 inches of ice maybe 11 so that that's some pretty good ice for around here and then nice. now it's got snow on it, so it'll be insulated, and hopefully it stays even if it yeah. warms up. So longer, cool. Yeah. So how about you? You probably got feet, right? <laughs> uh, no, actually, we're right here in like the the southern southwestern corner of British Columbia. It's like this is as warm as it gets in Canada, pretty much. It's today it was like ten degrees above freezing and sunny, 
Like it's pretty much springtime here, man. Oh wow, we, we that's too a, good. Getting cold weather yet in February, but uh, people are starting to like it's yeah, it's almost like springtime around here. We got green grass. We got it's uh, yeah, starting to come alive already. It's crazy. Wow. Okay. Well, that's different. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, you drive one hour into the mountains and it, it's full winter, but uh, so is it because you're more probably. coastal, right? Yeah, we're like the closest ocean is like 45 minutes from here. Okay. So it's not far. Yeah, for sure. So you're getting those warm airs come warm air coming off the. Yeah, um, we got a lot of rain time okay. of year. <laughs> All right. So, um, kind of curious then, like, it developed into that. You still only taking two bears. Let's talk about that though. Let's talk about like your experience taking those bears and you know how it solidified obviously the passion for bears and and then we'll go into kind of what you started and why. Yeah. Well, so the first bear I took was uh I think it was the um now I'm gonna get them the dates mixed up, but I think it was the year after we started outfitting. And it was also it was a couple miles down the road from the farm that we owned now we didn't own it anymore at that point in time but it was on one of my friend's properties they own a couple thousand acres of green land and uh yeah it, it was with a rifle and but i got within about 10 yards of it it was i was just driving down the road we were actually just doing crop checks and uh and i seen this bear in this field that i had been hunting i'm like oh man this is crazy i've never seen them when i'm actually sitting here and uh so i i it was like it was way out there on the far side of the field. So I had to stalk in and, and get close to it. So I, I've never actually done a, a baited hunt, which is the only way to hunt in Manitoba, supposedly, but I, I didn't do it. So I'm kind of <laughs> proud of myself for that fact. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. So I'm like the baited because it's so thick, right? That that's kind of the reason. Yeah. So you were on uh, what's up? And flat. That's the problem. Okay. There's no hills. You can't get up anywhere to do any glassing. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So then, that's our, our biggest problem in Manitoba. So then, your second bear was taken in BC. Then, yes, sir. And how did that yeah. go? Um, that was uh, in the valley here, and uh, on the edge between uh, public land and private land. We were hunting uh, on the edge of agriculture land, and we had set up for. I don't know how many nights it was a spring bear and uh me and my buddy had been sitting there like every day after work for I don't know how many weeks it was but we had trail cams in there and we patterned these things and they were they were doing all over the place because it was weird weather this past spring and uh so yeah it, it was about uh I think close to 300 yards again I love long range shooting so that's why all these these long shots that's my my thing so no that's <laughs> totally cool I like it too. I just, yeah. I've never really pushed it out. I don't have anywhere to push it out further than oh, like yeah. 800. So, but okay. if I did, I would definitely be shooting longer, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've, uh, I'll finish the bear story first, but, uh, so yeah, that my took my first bear in, in the edge of a, a grass field. And, uh, it was on, it was, like I said, the border of public and private land. Um, so that was super cool this spring. And I got to have my boys with me when I did that and got to have them part of that whole experience. And, uh, I can't wait till my boys grow up a little more and I can take them out every time and show them, show them hunting and get them to take the first animal. They're not allowed until they're 12 up here, but, uh, they'll come with me on a lot of trips before that. No, that's totally cool. That's awesome that you're doing it and that they got to experience that too. So how about oh, yeah. like, uh, deer or bear or moose or done any of that yet or other yeah than, I've, other than well, that one deer sorry <laughs> yeah, no, similar story to yours actually i've gone out the last four years in a row looking for a mule deer and uh this year i was bull hunting them for the first time and i got within like 30 yards probably but it was in this thick thick forest on a ridge way up I was hunting by myself and I, I drew back on it. It was a beautiful, like a big three point muley. And I, it was, I, I would have been so stoked to shoot that thing, but it, it, I could never get a clear shot. So I had to let it go. I was, it was so sad. <laughs> it's, it's discouraging, but at the same time, you know, you know, that those experiences are, 
in the end result, they're making you a better hunter. You're learning oh, the yeah. discipline. You're learning when to draw back and potentially, you know, waiting until its head gets behind a certain branch, draw back and wait till he steps yep. out. I mean, that's all part of it. And it's cool to develop those skills, even though I, I try to never look at them as, you know, losses or missed opportunities. I always try and look at them as, you know, knowledge gained or lessons learned. Because if you look at them as mistakes, you look at yourself as a failure and you're not a failure. It's just, you're trying to move forward. And the only way to move forward is to recognize them and, and uh, learn from it. So. Yeah, for sure. And, and like me and all my friends that I hunt with, actually, none of us grew up hunting, which is really strange. So we've only ever been hunting for the last like four or five years. So we're still like brand new hunters pretty much. So we, we've got a lot to learn yet. That's cool though. But, so uh, you've got a support group. You got, yeah. you got a, a, a crew of uh, guys that you go with them. Yeah, for sure. You the same four or five guys in different uh, selections, but yeah, we all, we usually hunt together. That's cool. That's, that's definitely yeah. fun. Lately, I've been kind of a, a soloist, <laughs> you know, <it's> a, <laughs> and, you know, sometimes it's easier than you don't ever have to try and, uh, you know, coordinate or figure out anything. You just, you just go, you know, oh, yeah. you want to change your mind or move, you just do it and you don't have to worry about anybody else or leaving them behind or anything. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. how far do you have to go to hunt from where you live? So where I live, I have all kinds of hunting ground, probably seven or eight different public land pieces that I can hit within a half hour, maybe 40 minutes, but I don't hunt any of them Oh, (laughs) because a lot of times they're crowded. Deer numbers actually aren't that good because they do a lot of culling um, to Mm. try and prevent chronic waste or so they say... uh, I'm I'm not saying that chronic waste doesn't exist, but the amount of deer that they take and the, I don't know if I necessarily agree with it. Maybe, maybe they really are doing it. I don't know. But I think sometimes insurance companies have a lot to do with some of that stuff, unfortunately. Um, I see. And I've seen evidence to kind of back that up, but um, Interesting. nonetheless, nonetheless, I don't really hunt those properties much because they are crowded. And I find that a lot of people from the cities, they drive an hour to come down and hunt them. So in turn, if they're driving an hour or an hour and a half to come down and hunt them, I figured, you know what? Let them have it. I'll go find other places. So I found some other places and I've actually found way better odds of success and uh, better deer in some of those areas. So that's kind of, what I started going with. So to answer your question, sometimes two hours. Okay. Sometimes longer. I do have, my buddy does have a a property that I went and did get to hunt this year and did take a doe. Um, and that was like six and a half hours, (laughs) but I mean, we stayed the night we camped and and all that kind of stuff in his deer camp and everything. So it was a different experience. I'm not normally used to that, you know, having somebody's property to hunt like that, but yeah. All right on. That's cool. Yeah. It was. It was neat, though. And uh, I, I think more than anything, I think it's cool to know that I'll be able to go back, but not necessarily for me, but for my children. So they'll have a place to where they can actually have success and solidify their future in in hunting because, yeah. you know, they get that experience and they do get that kill. I'm not saying they're not going to put in their dues, but at the same time, it it's just good knowing that you have a place like that to go to for them. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's super cool. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. to go like just full-blown redneck on these fish this is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here from the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters enjoy the best fishing panama city beach has to offer during chasing the sun sundays at 9 30 a.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment so so uh have you ever hunted moose yet uh we tried two winters ago uh, we went for like a 10 day trip and we got 
it was the funnest trip but the most <laughs> chaotic trip ever we we it was a 12-hour drive to where we were hunting and i pulled my trailer up there with eight buddies and and uh we all went our separate ways when we were actually hunting but um the first night we got there it snowed about like 16 or 18 inches and our trailer was stuck up where we had parked it so it turned into a rescue mission rather than a hunting trip so that's fun. We didn't actually get much hunting in that trip but we we flipped the trailer and my truck into the ditch and had to borrow an excavator to pull it out and it was it was quite the experience oh my oh my yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so we might as well start talking about it because we could probably talk hunting forever and all that good stuff but owning the outfitting business and taking those two bears that you took you realize there was a need not only to hunt them and preserve them but protect them mm -hmm. um and ensure that they're managed properly so you started your coffee company as you said earlier bear beans and yeah. uh so let's talk about that like the mission statement going into it why you did it um how you know it all came about the passion the drive the fuel behind it and then uh kind of what it is in a nutshell yeah for sure so with uh the whole covid thing the last couple of years our outfitter's been shut down since the beginning when the borders were closed and uh thankfully it looks like people can start coming up again this year but uh in the past year and a half or so i was thinking of ways how we can stay involved with with bear hunting because i love it so much and uh and i i'm an entrepreneur by heart so anything i can do to start a new project or or do anything like that and this I don't remember how I came up with the idea, but uh, of starting a coffee company, but it uh, it slowly morphed into an idea into reality. And and uh, what I wanted to do is um, have a company that gives back to conservation. And and now I, I've kind of committed to myself and and my wife with me that we're never going to be part of anything that doesn't have some benefit to some community or other. So with this one, it's it's the hunting community and our other businesses we uh we try to benefit people and, and other things but uh so the, i wasn't going to do it unless there was some way to give back with the business and uh it's it's so cool man it's the most rewarding thing i've ever done getting to partner with all of these uh organizations like blood origins and the western bear foundation and how for wildlife now that it's a super cool platform that uh is is bringing hunters together to uh help each other out on regulatory issues around the country or around your country i should say they're not doing anything in canada yet but i'm sure that time will come but hopefully. uh like yeah we, like we talked about a little bit earlier hopefully you know that i mean people are starting to really start supporting each other in other ways and, yeah. and trying to preserve freedom so i think that's pretty cool and hopefully it does happen and you could see it right now especially in the states in the united states that there's so many attacks. I, I and I was just talking um in fact earlier this week I was talking with Howl for Wildlife and yeah. and we were talking about just I've never seen in my lifetime. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm not saying, you know, social media obviously makes the word travel faster and we're able to mm -hmm. connect with each other. But I can't remember a time in my life to where there was so many attacks on hunting all at once across the board and it seems like it's almost a daily occurrence where something is happening where somebody's trying to take something away whether it be bear and lynx bobcat whatever it's happening more and more and more and more to the point to where it's just going to be a death by a thousand cuts and we need to band together whether we're in a different country or not and support each other and preserve our hunting rights before they're gone and the wildlife yeah. is managed improperly exactly so For sure and that, that's why it's so cool to to be part of something like this where i think now is the time when we really need to get together and, and to be able to do a small part in making that happen is is just the coolest thing for me and and like um yeah talking with charles from from how for wildlife and uh, the, the guys at blood origins are doing an amazing job of of spreading the real story about hunting and not uh, what some people say about us. And uh, it's unreal to be part of that 
that whole drive to uh to come together so bear beans you guys sell coffee and in turn a portion of your profits go to different organizations that support bears and wildlife right yep so what are these organizations and how do they you know protect them what what's kind of the stuff that happens um so the first one that we ever started dealing with was the western bear foundation um joe candelis runs that and they they provide money for projects to um bear research and uh like habitat management garbage cleanup in in the um in the backwoods and that type of stuff and uh, also education about bear hunting and conservation and the other organizations are are all do similar things blood origins is more of a a storytelling organization where Robbie and and uh, Cody they share hunting stories from around the world and I mean they also tell bear hunting stories so that's why I and I just love the stories that they tell and they're they're super amazing at it and Robbie has a cool voice so that helps too <laughs> <laughs> that he does sometimes very dramatic at times it really plays into the story but yeah, nonetheless sure. it's pretty cool. Um, so you guys, you guys work with these organizations and you give a percentage of the profits to them. I think it was listed on the website, right? The actual percentage. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, we give 10% of profit to, um, and we split it up over those different organizations and, uh, like we're, we're trying to get more partnerships, but, uh, like we have with how for wildlife right now, where all of the people that take an action on their site, they get a link, um, directly to our website for anything that they purchase then they get a 10 percent discount and that 10 percent automatically goes to how for wildlife back to the organization so they can keep spreading the word and bringing hunters together no that's really cool that that is amazing that you're doing that and not only is it you know they've got organizations like two percent for conservation but the fact that you're going further than that and saying no we're going to give 10 percent. i mean that's a hefty sum of the profit margin and but you can tell that, you know, there is a passion there. There is a drive there that you want to protect it. And that really says something that you're putting up that much to do that. So that's, that's, that's pretty cool to see that, that, you know, you guys are doing it. So let's talk about the coffees. I mean, what kind of coffees do you offer and uh, you know, what are they? We don't have to go too deep because as we talked about earlier, you know, I am probably, a bigger coffee snob than you, but nonetheless, I'm sure it's good yeah. coffee. So let's kind of get into Absolutely. it. Yeah. So, uh, we got, uh, the dark roast, uh, which comes from Sumatra and that's about all I know about it. But, uh, and then we got, um, two like medium light roasts. One comes from Ethiopia and the other one is, uh, I believe from El Salvador. And, uh, those ones are also amazing. I mean, I've, I'm not a coffee snob like yourself, so I, <laughs> I can't say it's amazing or not with uh, with all certainty. But um, we have friends um, in Manitoba, a guy that he actually reminds uh, me a lot of you, and he's also a big coffee snob. And uh, he said those coffees are top notch. So I took his word for it. <laughs> when when I saw that it was Ethiopian, uh, the first thing that came to my mind was like a Yurga chef that was you know there were some that i've had that were absolutely just phenomenal and they were actually dried and then washed hand washed um they just different processes like the dry process is super amazing and um but the, there's some really really good coffees that come out of ethiopia and mm. uh th- that i feel like that's going to be interesting especially that that one was like the medium roast i believe or was it the dark yeah. roast so it's going to bring out a lot of those like caramel flavors and and just the really good stuff from the coffee maybe it's cuz i yeah. love chocolate and that's like one of my biggest weaknesses and vices um <laughs> but uh <laughs> i got to say i think my favorite is when you get those tones those like almost like oaky chocolatey tones with like a hint of caramel and the finish, something real silky and smooth to where it just yeah. kind of carries on. Those notes are the ones that just like, I'm like, wow, that's good. You know, that's a good <laughs> cup of coffee. And anybody who puts creamer in coffee, just know this. If it's a good cup of coffee and it's brewed properly, it does not need creamer because the coffee will speak for itself. That's like putting a bunch of seasonings 
Montreal seasoning on steak. It doesn't need it. The meat will do the talking if you cook it right. <laughs> well, it's like, it's like you were saying before, I mean, all I've ever drank is stale coffee or what you call stale coffee. And uh, we got our first, we had like 10 different samples of coffee that we had um, to choose from when we were doing our first, uh, our first batches. And the ones that we chose were the three that we have now. But, uh, but yeah, that was the first time where I enjoyed uh, just, a coffee with nothing in it did you go so, uh, to a cupping no i didn't oh no I, I i researched all the best ways to do it and uh and we made good coffee uh, as good coffee as i can make at home aeropress but, uh, did you use an aeropress yeah. no uh, you no. gotta try an aeropress if you have not used an aeropress you need to get yourself one because that is the best thing you can do without an actual espresso machine mm -hmm. that just takes it to the next level and it's portable it's lightweight if you're backpacking or hunting and you're backpack hunting or even at base camp that will make you an amazing unless you bring a pour over but it will make you an amazing cup of coffee nice i am not even sure exactly the science behind it but it uh it puts out a phenomenal cup of coffee and i drink an americano so i you know make the espresso and just add a couple of shots of water to it. I don't yeah. do, I don't do half and half, but I like mm -hmm. it a little rich and make my heart come close to exploding, but without <laughs> actually doing it. But that is just some phenomenal coffee. And, and, and that's what kind of piqued my interest when I was looking at the website and I was like actually looking at the coffee. I'm like, these seem like legit coffees of origin and they, the flavor profile that they give, like, yeah, seemed like i was like okay i'm excited so i bought a new grinder i ordered three bags just so you know one of each yeah. one of each roast profile and Perfect. my plan is because i don't roast that much at home and honestly the coffee at work is crap and so every time yeah. i drink it there i have to put creamer in there and i'm getting yeah. a little heavy i'm getting a little soggy around <laughs> the midsection right now and i don't need to be so i realized i'm like man i need to cut out the creamer so I, <laughs> it's just calories i don't need where i could use them somewhere okay. else and actually get something that's you know a, a better you know caloric intake than than coffee creamer <laughs> so i'm almost ashamed to admit that i drank coffee creamer being a coffee snob but nonetheless i did because it was garbage coffee so yeah. now i have your coffee and i'm going to leave them in my drawer at work and every morning i'm going to roast a cup and know that i contributed to conservation and not just two percent of my funds but ten percent of my funds went to conservation for bears which awesome. is a good thing so just know that that that's what i'm going to do and i'm going to take it and i bought my own separate grinder so i'm going to grind it fresh every morning so i won't have stale coffee cool. and i'm going to use the aeropress and i even thought about maybe buying like a chemex like a uh a pour over type setup cool. so i could do that at work at my <laughs> at my desk and do that but so well, I appreciate it. So yeah, and that's to your feedback. Yeah, so that's what's gonna happen. And just so everybody knows, I'll probably already have drank a cup before this episode comes out. So if it doesn't air or I leave negative comments um in, in the show notes, just know that's because it was terrible coffee. But I'm kidding. It won't be. So we don't have to worry about that at all. <laughs> It it definitely sounds like it's good coffee, and if you know a friend that is a coffee snob, he can truthfully tell you that it's nothing like what you would ever get at a Tim Hortons. And no. uh, <laughs> even even I could tell that, and that <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Well, I I did do quite a bit of shopping around before I chose a guy to go with, um, like a roaster to go with, and like you were saying earlier off the air, there, there's a lot of just random things you can go with where they'll just ship you some stale coffee but i made sure that it was like a specialty type coffee and i got all the samples beforehand and sent those samples to someone that actually knew what they were talking about so because i'm not a coffee snob but i didn't want to sell shitty coffee absolutely nobody needs crap coffee let that yeah, be a lesson to everybody that again. there are better things than folger in your folgers in your cup that's not the best <laughs> part of waking up i can promise you that but maybe exactly. some bear beans. Maybe maybe you guys could just steal the probably trademarked slogan and use it. <laughs> <laughs>
But anyway, so what's the future plans? I mean, what's the plans for the company, the coffee? What's the plans for the outfitter? Um, and what's your kind of what's your hunting plans for for coming up here? Um, so uh, I'll start with the outfitter. Uh, it looks like this season is gonna be pretty good. Uh, we got our we're fully booked up, and we'll have to see how many of those guys actually make it across the border. But uh, if they do, then hopefully we'll have a full camp this year. And um, we we gave away a hunt with through Bear Beans actually over Christmas. And uh, Chad Heflin from uh, Marshfield Outdoors in Virginia is coming out to uh, to do that hunt. So I'm going to come guide him. And uh, that's in September, I believe. And that that's going to be super awesome. But uh, other than that, I, hopefully it's a full camp. And, and uh, Brandon's going to do a super awesome running running the show there and uh he we're doing a bit of whitetail trying to get into whitetail it's a totally separate area from our bear hunting area so it's it's kind of hard to manage it logistically but uh we're trying to get away from being stuck with only bears i mean not stuck with only bears but uh diversify a little bit on the outfitting side of things so that's the plan for this year cool and uh Sir, go ahead. What's I was just saying, cool. That's I mean, that's cool that you're expanding into into the whole whitetail thing. I mean, yeah. It, that so that's going to be like guided whitetail hunts for Manitoba yeah. whitetails, then. Yeah, exactly. Because our bear season is kind of over. Uh, the bears start to go into hibernation a bit early. Like our season goes almost till December, but there's no bears around then. And if they are, they're not interested in coming to bait or anything like that. They're looking to find a place to hide, and it, it's nearly impossible to hunt them late in the season so we only go for the first month and a half or so of fall bear season interesting so what's the plans yeah. with the coffee any other uh roast coming out anytime soon or anything like that yet or or yeah actually uh, we're trying to um what i'm trying to do now is to get a good um decaf out and uh i don't know if you'd be interested in being one of my guinea pigs but uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh trying to get a good decaf going so that we have that option too. That that'll be interesting. Nonetheless, it would be interesting. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to comment yet, but <laughs> <laughs> um, so what? I got to ask you though before before we go any further. What what's your favorite like color phase of bears? Because like something has always just intrigued me about like a cinnamon or like a blonde phase bear. And I just, I've always wanted to get just like a massive boar that's just this like cinnamon colored or color phase boar. I don't know what it is just because it's, it doesn't seem like a black bear to me. And that's always like, that is one of my number one, like, if I ever go get a bear, like a, just a giant boar, I, I just pray that he's just, just a big, like color phase bear. What's like to you, what's like the ultimate, is it like a jet black bear or what's your favorite like color phase of bears? Well, the coolest color I've ever seen was, um, two years ago, one of our hunters shot a, um, it was a color phase. It was like Brown, but it was almost red. It was kind of like golden and, and I can't really explain it, but it, it had a red tinge to it. And that was the coolest color I've ever seen is like, it, I don't know, a mix between like a a grizzly bear color and a fox like somewhere in there that's the best i can that's awesome yeah that's the kind of stuff i'm talking about yes that is so (laughs) cool that is so cool was it a real big one too no it wasn't it wasn't massive but it was still like i think close to 300 pounds so it was a good size one nice uh, my goal is to one day have a bear fur coat and realistically i'm never going to have a grizzly bear fur coat it's just not in the cards like that's yeah. not happening in my lifetime and so, unless something has a massive pivotal shift to where all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go to Kodiak Island. And, you know, it's just unrealistic for me at this, yeah. at this phase with kids and as many kids and everything. It's just may, maybe someday, but I kind of doubt it because it seems like the price is only going up. And by the time yeah. I'm probably in that position to do it, let's be realistic. It'll probably be like $180,000 or higher hunt for a grizzly so i'm just really hoping i can get a cool color phase black bear one day but we'll see oh yeah <laughs> no everyone uh, or a lot of people are like that they're looking for that color phase and it's i mean we all have them in some areas and some provinces up here in canada have more than others 
and even some little pockets in some provinces are, are higher in color phase but um we have them too it's it's just really hard to some guys will come and say like I, i'm only going to shoot a color phase i'm like well sorry man like we can't guarantee that <laughs> gonna be cruising through this spot on your day <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> I'm not saying I'd come up and only shoot a color phase, but obviously, you know, I'd shoot a bear. But I just think yeah. it'd really be really cool to get a coat that would look like a grizzly fur coat, you know. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, so that's my goal. Nice. <laughs> well, it, I'll say one thing: that the next couple of years, we're gonna have a lot of massive bears being shot because there's been no hunting for two years on outfitting side of things. So the bear populations are just exploding up there. Like on camera, we got bears coming out of our ears and some giants so i'm excited for this this spring that's pretty cool that's pretty cool so oh, yeah. um will before we go i'm going to ask you uh where everybody can find you as the outfitter as the coffee company and uh all your social media platforms and stuff like that yeah so uh bear track outfitters on instagram and bearbeans.coffee also on instagram and uh our website for the outfitters uh, beartrackoutfitters.com and it's also bearbeans.com for the coffee um and i think that's about it cool i appreciate it thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experiences and your passion and love for conservation and bears and uh the cool stuff that you guys are doing so bearbeans.com get yourself some coffee support conservation and bears yes sir i appreciate you having me on it's uh always great to talk about bear hunting and, and conservation and uh it was great chatting with you man absolutely thank you and once again thank you so much for listening to the publicly challenged podcast i hope you enjoyed the show and if you did please subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to also if you could leave a review that would help us out and you can check us out on Instagram or at publiclychallenge.com. And once again, thank you so much for listening to the show. One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. When you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.